Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. copy God's Word, once you find the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews is in the New Testament towards the back of the Bible. Chapter 11 is where we're going to be at tonight, and we are concluding this series that we've called Paradigm, and it has been a great journey through parts of God's Word, and, and if you're new to Paradigm, let me just kind of tell you what, what we've been doing over the last few weeks. First of all, uh, we, we talked about the preparation of building a new paradigm, and then we, we spent about four weeks building this step-by-step process of how you begin to live a new paradigm. And then the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to have the power to fuel the process so that you can experience a new paradigm. And what we've been saying is that you've come in here to this place called paradigm with your own personal paradigm. It's a little bit of a tongue twister, but work with me. And a paradigm is basically a way of doing life. And so you've all come in here tonight with a way of doing life that you've developed over your 25 or so years of existence. And what we've been doing is allowing God's word to begin to challenge our personal paradigm in the hopes that we would challenge the way that you think from God's word in the hopes that Jesus would begin to change the way that you live. And so I'm so glad that those of you who have tuned in over the last several weeks, uh, I'm so glad that you have done that. And then those of you who are dropping in for the first time, we are glad that you are here. And as you are finding your way to Hebrews chapter 11, um, I don't know if anyone else is excited about Thanksgiving. Yes, anybody? Like, can we just have a moment of recognition for the most uh, neglected holiday in the American calendar, right? And so in my house, we've already, we've already put up Christmas, and I, uh, my wife, she wanted me to put some things out in the front yard, and I was like, I will not put things out in the front yard until Thanksgiving has had its time, all right? And I'm fired up about Thanksgiving, y'all, because um, we're going to go spend time with my in-laws. Now, if, if you're married or if you've heard about marriage stories, a lot of times people will be like, my in-laws, you know, more like my outlaws, ha, 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 you know, that sort of thing. But for me, it's a great experience, y'all. Like, my in-laws, they are over the top when it comes to food, and I'm so pumped. I like Christmas with them, but Thanksgiving is amazing. My father-in-law, he used to run a restaurant, and so he knows how to cook, and him and his wife, they're a great team in the kitchen, and, and they, like, they make us feel like we're kings. And so they do what they're really good at, and that's cooking food, and then I bring my A-game so I can do what I'm really good at. That's eating food. Is there anybody in the house that's good at eating? That's my gift. All right, anyway. And so, um, and so we show up here. We're going to leave tomorrow. And we're going to get down there. And, and again, they treat us like we're kings. So they do all the prep work. Like they're already beginning to prepare right now. And then when we get there, they start processing everything. And it's kind of like, hey, just get out of our way. We're going to make it all happen. And there's like this chocolate pecan pie that's just so amazing anyway. And so we just eat all this stuff. And, and then we sit down and we show up and we show out with our plate full and our fork in our mouth, right? Now, I want you to imagine that you was hopping in the car with me tomorrow and we were headed down uh, to, uh, to Texas and you were gonna experience Thanksgiving with me. Now, and I've told you, man, I've got full confidence. I've got faith. It's gonna be an amazing year because of what has happened in the past. And so I start telling you about all this stuff. I'm like, man, you can't wait till you try this. And we're probably gonna have tenderloin and turkey because that's how we do it, you know, and then we're going to have this. And, then, and, I, and I start pulling out pictures. I'm like, man, here's, you know, you be taking pictures of your meals. I've been doing, you know, so it's pictures here, here. Like, it's going to be amazing. And like, you're starting to like salivate. And I'm telling you all about they're, pro- they're prepping during the process. And then we get there Thursday about one o'clock and we're breaking bread. And everybody's sitting around this giant table that my father-in-law built because he does that too. And so he built this big table. We're all sitting down and I've told you all about it. I'm like, but you believe, you believe it's about to go down. And you're like, get excited. You just, it's about to go down. You get fired up. And then we sit down. 
and I look over at you, you're sitting right next to me, and you haven't even put anything on your plate. And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? You're like, man, I believe it's going to be great. I'm like, what do you mean you believe it's good? We're all sitting around here enjoying the work of my father-in-law and mother-in-law's labor, right? And we're enjoying all of this, and you're sitting there, and you're not doing anything. I, I thought you was all excited, and you're like, I, I am excited. I'm like, well, then you need to get some food and put it on your plate, stick a fork in it, and get that fork inside of your mouth, right? Like, you would be like, there would be something missing if you said that you believed it was going to be good. You were smelling that it was good. You looked at everybody else at the table, and there ain't nobody talking because it's good. You know, you say it was real quiet. That's when the meal's good. But you haven't put anything, somebody getting hungry, right? You haven't put anything on your plate yet because you, you, you don't really show that you believe that it is good because you're not putting the fork in your mouth. And I start there tonight because we've come to this part in the series that we've called Paradigm. And here's what we've done, man. We've been describing life change. We've been saying, hey, God wants to do a new work in your life. And we've, we've, gone, we've gone through the preparation process and we've plated it up, but the fork is in your hands tonight. And I'm trying to tell you that you're going to have to stick your fork in this process and bring it into your mouth, and you're going to have to do something about the things that you've heard. And you're going to have to take a bite. And the way that you take a bite is that you begin to experience all that God wants you to experience is by putting your faith in God and your faith in the process that he's laid out in the scriptures. Like if you don't combine all of this information with faith, then all you have is more information but the same old you. And so tonight, I'm going to invite everybody to take a step and by faith begin to work the process if you haven't already done so. Because unless you exercise your faith in regards to the truths that we've talked about, listen, you'll never change. Unless you put your faith in what God's Word says and in the God of the Word, you'll never have a new paradigm. And you'll wake up 50 someday wondering why you didn't ever change and why this sin or why this struggle is still kicking your teeth. When it comes to faith, we have a faith crisis in the church. There are people that have come in here, and, and most of us are Americans, and when it comes to Americanism, uh, we, we are prone to be self-reliant by my strength and by my might. You know, we, 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 we want to be, basically be able to explain how we got where we are, you know? Like, we want to look back and be like, yeah, I got that score on the ACT, and then I got in that sorority or that fraternity, made some connections so that when I started at this job, I was already starting on a level up, and then I, I worked this job for a little bit, but then I got into this job, this pay grade, moved from this part of the city to this part of the city, found a significant other because I swiped right on the right person, and we got connected, and it was awesome, and then that's why we now have shiplap and succulents and a cute little labadoodle and two and a half babies, you know, and so that, like, you, you want to look back and be like, yeah, I mean, I can see how it all played out. And a lot of us, we want to take credit in, in our process. And we want to look back and be like, yeah, I, I, I saw how I made this happen. But listen, I don't know if you've come in here tonight. And I don't know if there's some young adults here tonight that want to live a life where they just scratch their head saying, I don't know how I lived this extraordinary of a life. I don't know if you're like me, but I don't want a life that is explainable. I want to be able to be in the middle of what God is doing because I don't know about you, but I'm just an ordinary man, but I serve an extraordinary God. And when you get ordinary around extraordinary, that extraordinary begins to take that ordinary and do something special. And I want to get into the years of my life, into my 30s, into my 40s, into my 50s, all the way to the end of my life, and look back on my life and say, man, I can't explain it all, but I can't deny it that God did something great through this fool called Chad Glover. 
And I don't know if you've come in here tonight and you are just kind of wrestling with, uh, with your life and what is life and what am I doing, what's my purpose and, and where am I headed and, and is there a God out there and how does he want to use me? Listen, God wants to use you. He knits you together in your mother's womb for a purpose and he wants to help you get joined into the progress of what, of what he's doing called advancing his kingdom. And, and young adults all over, they want this too. That's why young adults categorically would rather have more time off than more money in their job. Because we want to go out and we want to explore and we want to live a life that's adventurous and exciting. And I don't know if there's some young adults here tonight that want to have a life that is not explainable apart from the Holy Spirit and apart from God. But if you're with me and you want to join me, the thing that you're going to need is faith. We need his power. But in order to appropriate the power of God, we've got to put our faith in God. Because what good is, is the power that can light the world if nobody turns on the switch? You're taking notes and I've titled this message, The Power of Faith. The Power of Faith. And here's what I want you to see tonight. I want you to see the definition of faith. I want you to see a demonstration of faith, how you can develop faith. And before we leave tonight, I want you to determine whether or not you put your faith in Jesus. Faith, that's one of the key themes all throughout the Bible. We could have picked basically any page. We could have just, uh... This page works. There's faith on this page. It's all in the Old Testament. It's all in the Gospels. It's in the Epistles. And if you know any of those other words, it's everywhere, all right? Faith is one of those things that you find in every single section of God's Word. But when it comes to the greatest concentration and teaching of faith, Hebrews 11 is your spot. And so this author of Hebrews, he's trying to help us know that there is this thing called faith that is important, that is consistent from creation all the way to the cross and beyond. And here's what he says as he writes, Hebrews 11, verse 1. He said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I wonder, just, just by way of introduction again, do you have a faith? I think some, some of us may be coming here tonight and, and you're like, oh, of course, at a church talking about faith. Well, I'm, I'm an atheist or I don't have faith. And, and here's what I would say, that everyone has faith. You just have to determine what have you put your faith in. Because even when you say, I don't have a belief, that is a belief. You tracking? And so we need to ask, do we have a faith? The answer is yes, but what have we put our faith in? And the author of Hebrews, he's trying to help us define faith. And here's what the scripture says. And if you need a memory verse, you need to circle this verse. If you brought your old school Bible, you need to get this verse inside of you. This is a key life verse. That faith is being, or excuse me, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He goes on, he says, For by it the elders, that's those that have gone before us, they obtained a good testimony. And he says this, By faith, that's the key words in this chapter. By faith, here we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. But I wonder if you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. Faith defined. Faith defined. So the author gives us two key words. He says it's the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Let's break those things down real quickly. When he says it's the substance of things hoped for. Like I told you earlier, on Thursday it's going down in, in, in my, my hometown, T-Town. And so when we go there, like I, I am hoping it's going to be a good experience because, listen, I've experienced that before. And I can trust that my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they're going to be faithful to provide something that's going to be yummy, all right? And the reason why I can put the, the hope in that occasion is because there's, there's a, it's been substantiated by the things that have happened in the past. 
You know, faith is not just like, you know, I'm going to imagine it and it's going to come to happen. Like Hook, did you ever see the old Robin Williams Peter Pan movie? You know, I remember that scene where they're just, I'm dating myself, but they're just, they just imagine and then the burger comes and the big guy's eating the burger, you know. It's, faith isn't that. Faith is like, this is what's happened in the past. And I'm going to put my hope in that and there's substance in it. Like, I want you to imagine that, that, that I had like this chair up here, right? And, and I was sitting on this chair and, and, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't know if this chair could hold me. And I was, I was thinking, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place my faith in this chair. Like imagine if I was sitting like right here on this chair, you know. And I just had a little bit of faith, and I just kind of sat in on the corner. I'm like, oh, okay, it held me. A little bit of faith, but it held me. But when I have substance in what I hope to do, I hope that this stage or this chair is going to hold me, I'm going to sit on it easily. And I think a lot of us are thinking, you know what, I don't even need to sit in the chair. And the chair represents that you can rest in the finished work of Jesus, and so we're over here doing wall squats spiritually, you know, like counting the timer. I don't know if y'all have ever done these things. If you think you're an athlete, you try to do some wall squats, all right? And you'll be 60 seconds in, your legs will be, you know, shaking like this, you know. And this is a picture of a lot of our spirituality, that we're shaking, thinking I can, I can sit in a place of rest. But God's saying, hey, just put your faith in me. I've proven to be substantial. Tim Keller, he says this, it's not the strength of your faith, but it's the object of your faith that actually saves you. And so you may have put a little faith in Jesus, but listen, a little faith in Jesus is way better than a lot of faith in yourself because you will collapse and you will buckle. But even if I barely sit on this thing, it's going to hold me up because it's the object that holds me up. And he's saying that it's the substance of the things hoped for. I hope that Jesus would do this. Where have you placed your faith? He goes on, he says, it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, this word evidence is, um, it's only used twice in the New Testament. And he gives us a few different examples. But let me just walk through three bits of evidence. If you're here and you're skeptical and you're like, man, I don't know how anybody could put their faith in Jesus. You can't see Jesus. You, I mean, you can't see God. And how do you do that? What are some evidence? Well, let me just give you three categories. And the author of Hebrews, he uses one. The first one is creation. This is empirical. That you and I, we can go out and we can see creation and we can ask this question, how'd that get there? Don't you know that, that some of the most brilliant minds that were once atheists, they now are deists and they can't deny that there's intelligent design in the created order? Some people think it just kind of accidentally happened. Listen, it didn't accidentally happen. There's empirical evidence. There are clues to God all around. You can look at creation. That's what he says in verse 3. He, he said, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that there was something that made that thing. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You look at creation, you, you look at the cross. Creation's empirical, the cross, it's historical. If you want to examine the claims of Christ, man, you need to go for it. There is more evidence to prove the existence of Jesus than the existence of George Washington. Go read, go study. And you can see that Jesus was a real man that lived in history, and he died on a cross. There's secular Jewish historians that talk about the movement of Christ. His resurrection has not been disproved. They weren't idiots back in the day. People didn't raise from the grave and then get away from it as if it was some big mirage, like David Copperfield or David Blaine or whatever, doing some magic. All right? They, they investigated it, and there's historical evidence and so look at the cross. You can look at creation, empirical, the cross, historical. Or just look at somebody whose life has been changed. That's experiential. One of the greatest miracles I've ever witnessed. Some people, I don't know if I believe in miracles anymore. 
the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed is the fact that me is right here telling you about how your life could be changed by Jesus. The greatest miracle I've ever experienced is that my life has been changed by Christ. Like, listen, I know me better than anybody else knows me. I know the issues and the proclivities that I have towards perdition, towards dysfunction, and the fact that Jesus would intervene into my life in all the ways I could have gone wrong and all the ways I did go wrong, but he intervened in my life. It's the greatest miracle I've ever seen. And if some of you who know Christ have not just relished in the reality that you have been saved by Jesus, I don't think you understand the depth of your depravity nor the glory of his grace. And if God can change you, if he can change me, listen, he can do anything. And one of the best apologetics that we have in Christianity is a life changed by Jesus. Apologetic, that's just a big word that just means defense for our faith. And so when, you, when you're looking for evidence of, of things that, that aren't seen, like look at the creation, look at the cross, and look at conversions. And here's what I've come to find out. If God was being tried in a court of law for being God, the evidence that we could bring forth would be insurmountable, that God is truly alive. And it's by faith that we begin to see that. C.S. Lewis, I love a quote that he says. He says, I have faith in Christianity as I have faith in the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because, but because by it I see everything else. And that when you put on this lens of faith, man, it begins to interpret everything that you do. Let me give you another work, an expanded working definition of faith. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. Faith is believing God's word and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. First of all, let's just break that down. It's believing God's word. The word of God tells us that God spoke the world into existence. He created everything, but he's done so much more. And he wants you to open up his word, and he has some things he wants to show you. That everything you need to know the character of God and become the man or the woman God's created you to become is found in this book. And you should read it. God wrote a book, God's word. It's bread to the spiritually hungry. Some of you come in here tonight, and you just, you, you just anemic. You just weak spiritually. And your spirit man or your spirit woman is just is starving. And let me just tell you, the word of God can give sustenance to your soul. Not only is God's uh, word bread, but God's word is also bandages to the spiritually hurt. Maybe you've come in here and you're just kind of limping along in life and you're wounded. Get into God's word and you'll learn about a God that loves you, that he mends the brokenhearted and he, and he binds up the wounded. It, maybe, maybe you're not here. Maybe you don't need God's word to be bread. Maybe you don't need it to be bandages. Maybe you need it to be bullets that you're in here and you feel like you're under attack and temptation is coming your way and you are, you're, you're just trying to do the right thing but you just feel like you're just being oppressed by something. You get into the word of God and you get the ammunition you need against the enemy and you can bust a cap on the enemy. And it's, it's bread, it's, 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 it's bandages, but it's also bullets. God wrote a book. We gotta believe in God's word. And not only do we believe in God's word, but we got to act on it. We got to do what it says is what the word of God says. Faith without works is dead is what the word of God says. We, we've got to act upon it. I don't know if you've ever been to the grocery store. Imagine I went to the grocery store and my wife gave me a list and she's like, I need you to go to the grocery store, go to Hy-Vee and, and I need you to get these things. And so I pull up into the parking lot and I'm like, oh, the doors are closed. And I can see the lights are on and I can see the things that I need to get inside of the store, but I'm like, the doors are closed. And so I call my wife and she's like, hey, what's taking so long? And I'm like, babe, the doors are closed. She's like, well, Chad, you're, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to get out the car and you're gonna have to start walking towards the, the building. 
And I know this sounds crazy, but the closer you get towards the building, the doors are going to open. I'm like, I don't know. You're crazy. You, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to try it, right? And so, and so like, the, the grocery store represents all that God wants to do in your life. You, you're seeing, God, I, I, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I, I, I want you to move. And God's like, well, get out the car. I need you to move too. And you're like, but God, the doors are closed. I can't see how this is going to even happen. I don't know how I'm going to get free from this. I don't know how I'm going to make progress in this. He's like, okay, you want me to move? And you're like, God, God, I want you to move. I want you to move too. I need you to believe my word and act upon it. And the closer you take steps towards God and towards his promise and towards his provision and the, the more steps you take, it may not make sense the closer you're getting to that building, but, but by God's grace, the doors will open and you've got to set your faith in motion. If you want God to do the impossible, you want him to do the improbable, you've got to take a step and you've got to put it in motion, baby. By faith, you believe in the word of God and then you begin to act upon it. Man, it's been hard for me to do this at times. Like there's been times where, where God has just like um, told me to do something. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, like when I got offered this job, I turned it down. I didn't want to move to Kansas City. I was living in the South. The food's good in the South. It's different here. It's, it's good, but it's just different. And so I was living in the South. My wife was seven months pregnant, it, and I was, I was doing some schools in my doctoral studies, and I was having regional influence in my, in my sphere of influence. And, and I was like, man, things are good. And, and like the Lord, six weeks after I turned the job down, he'd been speaking to me. He's like, you, you, you done messed up, bro. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, what you know? He's like, really? And it didn't seem on paper the wise thing for me to do. But the more the Spirit of God prompted me, it was the right thing to do. And listen, as we've taken this risk and come here, God has opened more doors and given more opportunity than I could have ever imagined. Some of you, that may not be your story. Maybe just the fact that you're here tonight was a huge step of faith. And you're like, man, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Then that person texts you, and you're like, all right, if they'll quit texting me, I'll go. And you took a step. And I pray that God would open up a new door in your life. Some of you, that was you taking a step just to, just to sit here and have an open mind to hear a spiritual talk. And you've been so hard because of the way you were brought up or because of what you think about Jesus or Christians. I don't know, but you're just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an open mind tonight. And I pray that by God's grace that, that that step that you took, that he would open up new doors in your life. Faith is believing in the word of God and acting upon it. Here we go, no matter how I feel, no matter how I feel. Oh, this is so hard because we were brought up on Disney, right? I know y'all be on Disney Plus watching The Mandalorian every Friday night, protecting baby Yoda, you know. And so, but, but if you watch other things on Disney, what you'll find is that the common narrative is follow your heart. And that just sounds so good. But the only problem is, is that your heart, what the scripture says, it's desperately wicked and it's beyond cure. It says in the scriptures that there's a way that seems right in your heart, but in the end it leads to death. Think about your middle school self. You were like, you were so convinced that she was right for you. You were so convinced that he was right for you. No, all right? And so, like, just think about those times in your life where you were so confident and so sure because you were following this, this thing in here, and it led you astray. And so we don't allow our faith to follow our feelings. We inform our feelings with our faith. And we don't follow our heart, but we inform our heart. We preach through our heart. It's believing in the word of God, acting upon it no matter how I feel and expecting that God's promises are going to bring a good result. Listen, God wants to bless you, man. And I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm talking about his presence. I'm talking about doing what only he can do in your life. 
God wants to bless your obedience. He wants to honor you. God wants to bring good things in your life. I think a lot of us, we come in here, and we don't doubt that God wants to bring good things, but we question whether or not the pain is worth it. And we don't want to sacrifice so that God can do the good thing. But God, he wants to do a good thing, and this is what faith is. It's you believing God's word, acting upon it, no matter how you feel, knowing that God's going to bring a good result. And listen, this type of faith, it is essential if you're going to please God. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you come in here and you want to be God's man or God's woman, but you don't want to exercise your faith, you've got it twisted, bro. And you cannot be who God wants you to be without putting your faith in Christ and without walking by faith. See, God's trying to do something in you where, where, where he gets the most glory through your dependency upon him. And he wants to do something great in you, but the thing, the trigger, or the switch that you've got to turn on, the thing that you've got to do, you've got to grab a fork, load up your plate with God's process and his provision, and you've got to take a bite. You've got to turn on the switch, and that's faith. The author goes on in Hebrews 11, and he begins to walk through this process. By faith, this happened from the dawn of history to the choosing of God's people. By faith, these people did this. To the way they were delivered out of slavery. By faith, these people did this. And it's like he's coming to this part of the letter. I don't know if you've ever written a note to somebody and you started like in a normal font up top, you know, but you were just so excited about what you were writing. And then by the end, you were like running out of paper and it was like a little baby font, you know. Like that's kind of the image that comes to mind when you're reading Hebrews 11. He goes on in verse 32 and he says this, and what more shall I say? He's like, man, I'm running out of space here. He said, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. He's basically, those are a bunch of Old Testament people that did, those are like MVPs of the Old Testament. He said, who through faith, they, did, they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. Turn to flight the armies of the aliens. Don't think extraterrestrials here, all right? This is just like foreigners, okay? All right, <laughs> somebody like, the Bible's weird, the aliens. Oh, anyway, here. And women receive the dead raised to life again. Point number two, if you're taking notes on it tonight, you could write this down. Faith demonstrated. We're talking about faith. You've got to have the power of faith. We, we had to define it. Now we've got to see it demonstrated. And what the author is saying is by faith, they did all that they did. And the point that he's trying to do is he's trying to teach the universal necessity of faith. It's like he's pounding the nail of by faith on the head over and over and over. And I, and I like this, y'all, because sometimes I'll be reading the Bible and it's in one ear and out the other. I don't know if that's anybody else. That I need a good re reminder and redundancy because your boy's hard-headed and hard-hearted. And so he's trying to say, hey, look at the things and the people of the past. And let me remind you of the way that people have taken risks and how they've walked by faith in the past. And what he's trying to say is that faith isn't just a part of the Christian life. It's the whole, it's a lot of y'all. It's the whole thing. That faith isn't just, you know, you need to add this to kind of your, as like a, a little tool on your Batman belt of spirituality so that you could get out of this one, you know, rare situation. He's like, no, faith isn't just something you add on to your life. Faith is our heritage. It is our legacy. Faith is the way that you begin a relationship with Jesus. It's the way that you continue a relationship with Jesus, and it will be the way that you finish a relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this, for by grace you've been saved through faith. There's the word. You cannot be saved unless you put your faith in Jesus. 
He says this, and, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. First John 5, 4 says, for whatever is born of God, or excuse me, yeah, whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and I love this, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And like the scripture is pointing to people that have demonstrated their risk and their faith over and over, and that should stir up inside of you. Some sort of like, man, I, I, let's go. I don't know if you've ever met somebody in real time that has, you know, they've done something courageous and it's just kind of just, just stirred up inside of you faith. I've met two guys named Jason recently. And these guys, man, they, they've done something that, that by most standards just doesn't make sense, but they're like, man, God is doing something profound in this place called Kansas City through this body called Abundant Life and through this ministry called Paradigm, and I just want to be a part of it. And so one guy named JC is living out in West Texas. Y'all met, y'all met him last week if you were here, and, and, and he just took a risk. He, he didn't really know what he was going to be doing in Kansas City. And, and he just said, I remember talking to him, he's like, man, I'm moving to Kansas City. I was like, what are you going to do? He's like, oh, no. He said, but God has told me to come. And he took this big risk, and he came up here, and he's like, I just want to be a part of what God's doing. I said, let's go. Another guy named Jason, and he's, and he's moved here, and, and God's doing a great work through him, and, and, he's, and he's super intelligent and super educated, and he's like, man, I want to take all of my gifts and all of my ability, abilities, and he's just like, I want to use my life and leverage my life for the sake of the gospel. And so he moves over here in the Midwest, doesn't know anybody. But by faith, he's like, man, I'm going to be a part of this ministry. God's doing something spectacular. And when you hear these stories, I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, that, that spurs me on to want to do more. And the reason why we did this whole series is we were planning about this time last year. We're like, man, we want to do a series called Paradigm, and we want to equip the people of Paradigm to have a new paradigm so that you can experience personal victory in your life. Like, I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody that they look to and say, man, that guy's faith, it inspires me. That guy truly, or that woman, she truly believes that God is an extraordinary God. And it's evident because of the sacrifice and the willingness that that person is making to take a risk. I want to be a brave Christian. I want to be a courageous Christian. I don't want to be a cozy, comfortable, just cruise to the finish line and barely make it Christian. I want to push back the gates of hell and live a life that has been poured out and spent for the glory of Christ. And I think there's some young adults that are here tonight that want to do the same thing, but we will not do that without faith. That faith is this thing, and we want to see that happen in you personally, but also we want to see it happen corporately. I don't know about you, but I've kind of got this desire that when people hear the name of abundant life, the name of paradigm, like I want them to be like, man, that group of people, they they believe that God is who he says he is. And they do some great things. That's why we're doing, we're taking risks. That's why we're going to the city. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us resources. It'd be a lot easier just to try to fill this room and play it safe. But we're not into playing it safe. You cannot have a safe faith. It must be a risky faith. A safe faith isn't a faith in the Bible. And so we're doing something new. And, and, and so Abundant Life, we're starting this campus, but Paradigm's going to be the tip of the spear. And we're going to go and start a new work there while maintaining and growing this work here. And, and we need you guys to be a part of that. We cannot do it alone. And so for some of you, that means that you're going you're gonna to stay planted in Lee Summit. And you're going to step up into a new place of leadership. And you're by faith going to take a risk and you're going to get over yourself and I'm no good and I'm, not, I'm, and I'm not that type of person. And you get over your guilt and believe what God says about you. That greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. And you're not going to be marked by your shame or by your guilt. You're going to say, man, I'm going to put myself out there. And you're going to stay here and help us. Others of you, are gonna, you're going to donate your time and you're going to move into the city. 
And you're going to help us start a new work to reach new young adults who are desperately in need of Jesus. Others of you, you've been, I saw some of y'all drive a Tesla up in here tonight, you know? So y'all, you've been blessed with finances. You're just the envy. You're like 23 years old and you're just bawling, right? And praise God for you, but we, we need you to pony up. Others of you, you may not have a, a dollar to your name, but you can give something. And we need you to give to this thing. This is a rare moment in our life to do something significant in Kansas City that no other young adult ministry has been able to do. And so let's go and let's see God do some great things. And let us demonstrate his faith and his significance in a mighty, mighty way. And we want you to be a part of that. I wonder, do you have a personal story like some of these people where by faith you've done some risky things? Do you have a story where I'm a part of this movement, this gang, this team, where we do big things for God because God is worth it and he's big? And if you don't, do you want that story? Maybe you're sitting here, you're like, man, that, that'd be awesome, but, but like, how do I get faith? Like, is there a faith dispenser somewhere? Like, hook me up, right? How do I get that? Well, let me share with you a story that's found in Mark chapter 9. And Jesus, he's, he, he's, he's kind of just doing his ministry, and there's this guy that he catches wind of, and he crosses paths with, and this guy, man, he's in a low place in his life. Like, like, I don't know if, you, if any of you have kids, or you can imagine with me, there's a pain that you have when you experience pain, but when you have kids and your kids are in pain, there's nothing like baby pain. Like when you're sick, you know, that's bad. When you're hurt, that's bad. But when your baby's sick and when your baby's hurt, it's desperate, all right? We need to do something to fix this problem right now, right? And this is kind of where this guy is, man. He is desperate for God to do something. He's tried everything. And maybe some of you have come in here tonight and that's you. Maybe you've come in here tonight and, and you're like, man, I'm, if I was given a word in my life, I'm desperate. I've tried everything and I'm in this season of pain or this season of confusion and I, and I just don't know what to do. And, and, and maybe you tried here tonight and, and we're so glad that you're here. And let me just tell you, like Jesus, he's, he wants to minister to you. Or what, I, what I mean by that, he wants to, he wants to connect with you. And maybe you've come in here and, and maybe you're in this season of life. And let me just tell you what happens in this story. Jesus crosses paths with this guy. His child's really sick. And we find in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He's saying if, if you can have faith, all things are possible to him who has faith. And notice the man's response in verse 24. It says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, he said, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. What a great prayer. Point number three, if you're taking notes tonight, you can write this down. Faith developed. Faith developed. If you lack faith, why don't you assume the posture of this man? Let me just tell you a couple of things that took place. First of all, he had, he had heard about what Jesus was done. And so if you're here and you're wanting to increase your faith, read the Bible, all right? Get into the word of God. And what it says in Romans 10, 17, it says this, that so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you open up the word of God and you're saying, God, would you increase my faith? You begin to see the faithfulness of God, see his character displayed all throughout his word. And no doubt this guy had heard that, that Jesus had done great things. Just a couple of chapters before, Jesus had fed thousands with a happy meal, all right? And he's like, I, I heard about Jesus, the reputation's out. And I'm desperate, I'm in a place of need. And so he started saying, I, I have faith in this one. So get in the word of God. If you, if you are here and you need faith, begin to read the word of God. 
God's word is the fuel that fires up your faith. And this is the protein that you put into your spiritual system so that you can bulk up your faith. And this guy, he had heard about Jesus, and so he's already got this belief in them. If you're here and you still don't have it, you still want some more, you got to reflect on it. You find in Mark chapter 8, and I don't know if this guy had heard about Peter's faith, but in Mark chapter 8, it's, it's so funny when you look at Peter and you, you see that, that his faith is just up and down. Like this is St. Pete. Like this is one of the stalwart MVPs of Christianity. He has books in the Bible, but the brother was all over the place when it came to his faith. And I just find that comforting. Because if I'm just being real, like, I'm not always just like, I believe, it's going to be awesome, let's go. I'm not always that way. Some days I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Is this even worth it? Is it even worth the struggle? Is it even worth the trial? And I'll see somebody that's got something that I perceive as better, and I'm like, man, I should have done that. It just seems easier just to deliver bread. Clock in, clock out, and I put over, you know, I just start, I'll kind of get in that headspace. And, and so it's helpful for me to look at men that have, been, that have been up and down and say, God still uses people like Peter. In Mark chapter 8, just one chapter before, there's this one scene where Jesus is like, who do y'all say I am? And Peter's like, I got this, I got this. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. <sighs> you know, and, and, and Jesus is like, that's right, bro, that's right. I'm going to build my church on that statement. Not a few breaths later. Jesus is telling, like, hey, here's how I'm going to save the world. Y'all huddle up. I'm going to die on a cross, and then I'm going to resurrect. And Peter's like, hey, bro, time out. That's not a good plan, Jesus. So Peter starts correcting. He's like, remember I told you you was son of a little guy? He starts correcting Jesus, and Jesus calls him Satan. He says, looks at Peter, hey, get behind me, Satan. He went from hero to zero. He went from man of faith to not man of nothing, right? And so I wonder if this guy who was desperate for God to move, desperate for Jesus to move, had heard about the faith of Peter, and he's like, you know what? I don't have 100% faith, but Peter doesn't either, so let's give it a shot. And so if you're here and you need faith, man, you got to get in the Word. you got to read about God's work. You've got to reflect upon other people's faith stories. And then ultimately, you got to request it. That's why I love the man's prayer. Lord, I believe, but there's parts of my heart that still don't have belief. Would you help my unbelief? Can I just say that doubt is normal? Maybe you've never heard a preacher say that. But I'm a man before I'm a preacher, all right? And doubt is normal. Doubt is a normal experience in any faith construct. And so if you're here and you're, and you're dealing with doubt, let me just say to this, like deal with your questions. Don't let doubt have the final say. You need to doubt your doubts. You need to question your doubts. Like doubt is not the enemy of faith, but it is a necessity in order for you to build an immunity so that you can face tragedies or the strategies of the skeptic. See, if you don't ever deal with your doubts today, when the bomb falls in your family, or when you start getting questions from that strategic skeptic, you're gonna not have, you, you would not have dealt with your questions. And so that's why people leave their faith in a matter of days sometimes. And so if you're here and you've got real doubts, deal with your doubts. You don't build a spiritual immune system without the antibodies of doubt. And so if you have some areas of unbelief, ask for more faith. See, faith is the currency of heaven. And you cannot enter heaven without faith. If my kids come to me and there's something that I want them to do, like I want you to buy your mama something nice. And they're like, Daddy, Mama, the thing I want to buy her, it's $20 and you only gave me 10. I'm not going to be like, well, too bad. <laughs> no, right? I'm, let me give you an extra 10. 
And so if you've come in here and you think that you need $20 worth of faith, but you only got 10 in your pocket, say, God, would you hook me up with 10 extra dollars of faith? And God is a generous God. And he's going, does God want you to have faith? Yes. All right? God's like, you know, I, I would just like for you to sit in your doubts. That's what I want for you. No. Go to God and ask him. The author of Hebrews, he finishes this chapter, and he says this. As he looks back at all of the things that have happened in verse 39, he says, In all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So what he's saying is like, I want you to keep in mind, all of these people that by faith trusted God, they never knew Jesus. Like they never heard about the cross of Christ or the resurrection. That he said, I'm going to trust God that he's going to do something to help me be right with him someday. He goes on, he says, God, having provided something better for us, the something better is Jesus, that they should not be made perfect or complete would be the better word, apart from us. He's saying that, that they had faith in what God would do, but listen, we've come in here not on that side of history, but on the other side of the cross. And we are calling young adults, and I'm calling you personally tonight, to not put your faith in what God would do, but put your faith in what God has done. That we have evidence of what God did to ensure our eternity with him. Point number four, and finally, if you're taking notes tonight, write this down. Faith determined. Faith determined. So do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have faith in Jesus? Some of y'all here tonight, you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have faith in Jesus. And, and I would just, I, I would say, man, maybe you've come in here tonight and, and, and it, going back to that story, like you've come in here and somebody's here and, and, and they've, they've kind of invited you to this place, much like I said, I may invite you to my Thanksgiving meal. And they said, hey, God is awesome. And what is, what is being served at his table is good for your soul. And maybe you've come in here tonight and, and, and you've heard that and, and that person that's invited you or that's told you about Jesus is sitting there and, and they're, they're kind of just, you know, thinking in their mind like, hey, here's the plate, here's the fork, why don't you take a bite? But you're hesitant. And, and you don't know if you put your faith in Jesus. You don't know if you've determined Jesus to be your Savior. And I'll just say, what are you waiting on? <laughs> you need more information? Like, like what else does Jesus need to do to prove to you that he loves you. Like, how do you explain your existence, first of all? And, and then after that, how do you explain the historical facts that Jesus died on a cross, rose from the grave? You have to do something with Jesus. I think sometimes God's like, man, I, I appreciate your questions, but I've tried to answer all of the big questions in my son, Jesus. And so I was talking with somebody the other day about this and and I was like, so where are you at in your faith with Christ? Like, man, I just, I need more information. And I was like, and I was like, okay, do you know about Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the grave, how he loves you? All, and they're like, yeah, yeah, but I, I just need more information. And I was like, well, let me put it this way. Do you think that my wife knew everything about me when she got married to me? I mean, she was 22, 23, I was 22. And she's like, oh no, definitely. Yeah, she didn't know the things that, my issues, right? She didn't know all of them. I tricked her, y'all. Anyway, so I was like, did you think, <laughs> did you think she knew everything? No, she didn't know everything about me. Then why would she marry me? Because she had enough information about the critical things that mattered most to her. That, that she had answered the questions in her mind that were the most significant questions that she would give her life to me in marriage. 
And some of you are here, man, and you're stuck in the process. I have questions, but God's like, how much more information do you need? Like, how much more information do you need? I've shown you all the big things. I made you, that I redeemed you, that I love you. And I want to invite you into this grand adventure called changing the world with me. See, I'm convinced that questions don't keep people from Christ. Pride does. One chapter over in Mark, Mark chapter 10, there's this story about a rich young ruler, a guy who had everything. He had a Tesla, he had a couple of houses, he was, he was smart, he was good looking, and he, and he did good things. He had it all going on. But there was something gnawing inside of his heart like this. Is that it? Maybe you're here and you have everything going on, but you don't know where you stand with God and you know you cannot deny that you lay in, in bed at night after you, maybe next to a beautiful person after you've done something that was supposed to bring you ecstasy with money in the bank, everything going your way, but you're laying there and in the pit of your heart, you're saying, is that it? Is this what life's about? And this was where this guy was. So he went to Jesus and he asked Jesus a question. He said, man, what do I need to do to live forever? And Jesus looks at him and he says, you need to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And so the guy came to Jesus with questions. He got his question answered, but it says that he left sad. And he didn't choose to do what Jesus said and to follow Jesus. And so I'm convinced, based upon that, that questions don't keep people from coming to Christ, but pride does. And I wonder if you're here tonight and Jesus is saying, hey, let me answer your question. What would keep you from following him and living forever? What's that thing in your life that you would want to hang on to and walk away sad from the opportunity to know the lover of your soul. Do you have faith? Faith in what? Or faith in who? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. And God, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it, that it speaks to our hearts. God, I pray for my friends tonight that they would, they would activate the power of faith. They would turn it on. And God, that once they turn it on, they would see you unleash a tsunami of your power and of your grace and of your mercy. God, I pray for people that are struggling with addiction tonight, that by faith they would trust, not in your, not in your, your uh, uh, this, this party or, this, or their own promises, but they would trust in your processes and they would trust in your promises. God, I pray for somebody that's here tonight that's just kind of coasting through life. I pray that you would jolt them. And you would call them to more. God, that we would see you do great things in our life. We're just ordinary people. But we know an extraordinary God. And God, would we be added to the annals of Hebrews 11, of those who by faith trusted you to do great things. And would you do great things in our lifetime? Would you usher in a new movement of yourself? God, help us to be right in the middle of it. Help us to see the captive set free, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. God, help us to see you move. We say unequivocally that we, we agree by faith, by faith, increase our faith that you can do this. Help us to expect you to do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever think or imagine. God, would you move in us first and in us together. In Christ's name, amen.